All right, if you guys have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. That's where we're going to be at this morning. If you don't have a Bible, uh, raise your hand and keep your hand raised really high. One of the ushers will walk down your aisle and get you a copy of God's Word. And if you don't own a Bible, go ahead and keep the one that we are handing out to you so that you can grow in an understanding and a knowledge of the Lord. Um, for those of you guys who want to, uh, you know, ask any questions or you guys want to hear more about the church, he's going to have a, a table set up in the lobby on the way out. Um, stop by, encourage him, say what's up, um, say hello. Um, and, uh, yeah, get your name on there so you can hear more about what's going on in their church. All right, so I have uh, the task of finishing chapter 3. I know that last couple weeks we've looked at um, the same text in two different lenses, and today we're going to look at Paul's prayer. Um, for those of you guys who are just joining in, we've been in this series for several weeks, um, and, and today we conclude um, probably the first half, not just in chapters, but even content on what the Apostle Paul has been teaching. And so I'm going to try to catch us up here in a few minutes and then go through this sermon um, and, and not keep you guys here um, longer than, than you need to um, or we want you here. So here's what we have. The, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church that's in Ephesus. Now, this was um, a city um, that was a huge city, and the, the church was started there. And then from there, Paul usually would just write letters back to the church addressing an issue that would come up. This particular letter is not addressing an issue. It's, it's broadly speaking about who God is and what God is doing in the world. And so chapter 1, Paul talks about how God is working in Christ by the Spirit to bring reconciliation. And that reconciliation first was God reconciling heaven and earth through the work of Christ. And then chapter 2, um, God reconciling the brokenness and the fracture between God and man because of our sin. And God now in Christ, through his grace, has reconciled us. We said that was the vertical um, aspect of the gospel. And then we came back and we said, when you look at the latter part of chapter 2, what you see is that God now in Christ, the same good news that is reconciling heaven and earth and man to God, is now reconciling us to each other. Um, more specifically in the text, Jews and Gentiles, and that they're a part of this family. And God calls them, Paul writes, calls them this new kind of humanity, or this one new man, meaning something that has never been done before. And so it has implications of race and reconciliation, as implications of men and women being reconciled, um, implications of ethnicities being together, of this multinational church, of what God is doing to redeem and restore all of creation. And so we spent a few weeks um, on that. I left for two weeks, almost didn't come back, and just said, no, I'm going to come back. And so back now, um, just joking, last week I was teaching at another church, and now we get to look at Paul's prayer. Now, the last, Paul kind of just kind of takes a turn in the first part of chapter 3. And what he's doing is he's, he's giving his credentials of why he's able to write what he, what he writes. And then now he has a prayer that we just read. And one of the things I want to be able to point out here for our time is just, just showing exactly what it is that Paul wants. I want to get lost in this prayer. Here, here's what Paul wants. Paul prays this prayer that we may be strengthened ultimately with the love of Christ, that we may be able to like, embrace and comprehend that love, and that we may mature. So Paul is, is, is asking and praying for what every mother here would pray for their kids, that they would love Jesus and grow up. Okay, so if you go, hey, what did he talk about today? I think he told us to love Jesus and grow up, right, from the Bible, okay? So let me start with saying this. I mean, you got to share a story about mothers, and like, I share so many stories about my mom. I, you know, you guys know all my stories, but um, to me, more things are caught than taught. I mean, there's more things you just pick up, and if there's anything that we've been able to pick up from our mom is prayer, right? And, and, and here's what I mean by that. My mom is, is, is God-fearing as she is, 
is not the most doctrinally sound. She's not going to quote you a bunch of doctrine. She loves her Bible, um, and she loves her Jesus, and she believes in her Jesus, and she prays to her Jesus. And we grew up in a household where my mom prayed her, her head off, right? So we, we, we had a two-bedroom apartment. My mom's room was next to our room. Saturday mornings, my mom would be in that room, door locked, praying. You can hear her praying. And when she prays, you would think there was a CrossFit workout going on in there, right? She was like going through all the AMRAMPs, all the burpees, and I mean, whatever, whatever would happen, and she'd walk out, and she was very CrossFit-ish. Like, she wanted everybody else to get in on what she was doing, right? So we would, she would wake us up Monday through Friday because she went to work early, 5 a.m. in the morning, because she had to go into the city in L.A., and she'd wake us up, and we would pray, and we would hold hands, and my mom, the way she prayed, when she emphasized on a word, you would get a squeeze on your hand, and the name of Jesus, and the Lord, right? And you would, right? It's like, just praying. And, and, and I just got used to that, and then realizing that, you know, we, we, we pray different in this church. I don't know why, but we pray different in this church, right? My kids are hilarious because kids just observe, and then they, you know, more things are caught than taught. So Noah asked me last time we were with my family and so forth, like, um, our church prays different than Granny. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, like, like our church plays, like, how people talk. And when, when Granny prays, there's a lot of, mm, yes, mm, yes, praise your father, yes, yeah, mm, yeah, mm. And I said, yeah, you're right. Granny prays better than our church, buddy. Uh, <laughs> so you can learn a lot from prayer. Paul starts off this, this section, and he says this, um, for this reason, I bow my knees. Now, when you think about um, Jewish culture, majority of the time, the posture of prayer was actually standing up. And, and not that you couldn't pray on your knees, not that you couldn't pray laying down, but usually when you saw somebody praying in that way, it showed the, 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 the earnest of their prayer, that they desired it, that there was, they were pleading to God. So Paul, after saying all that he says, he says, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. So we first say, what is the reason that he's talking about? He's actually not talking about what he just said in the first part of chapter 3. He's actually talking about everything he said in chapter 2. So all the difficult things of God taking a dead heart, making it alive in the work of Christ, God taking Jew and Gentile, black and white, rich and poor, and reconciling into this new man, all the difficult realities of that. Like Paul gets it. This is what God is doing, that he's doing this work, has done this work in Christ, and for this reason, meaning it is very difficult for us as the people of God to live this out apart from God. In fact, it's not just difficult, it is impossible. Like, what Paul calls us to in this gospel reality is not something that can be done by policies or agenda or good efforts or good intents. It can only be something that's done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So the work that we've been building up to, Paul says, for this reason, everything I talked about, I am on my knees praying. What my mom would be praying for us for were very simple things. Is that we would know and we would love Jesus. And she would pray that she would, that the mistakes that she feels like she has made would not get to us. Right? You don't get that when you're a kid. You're playing Super Nintendo. You're you're doing whatever, you're like, I'm glad you're praying for me, Mom. This is great. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, right? And now having kids, I would never say that I get my mother. I don't because I'm not a woman, and I'm not, I'm not raising two boys by myself. I can't fathom what it's like to be my mom or to be your mom or to be you and so forth. But I do know this. Last night, my wife and I were at this wedding where I had this shirt on that was custom, and... Um, 
the, the mom gave the speech, and she has two sons. And watching my wife watch this mom speak, I'm watching some. My wife is not a very emotional person normally, and she's tearing up. And so, you know, I just, I couldn't just let her have that moment. I was like, hey, what? <laughs> what's going on? I said, can you imagine seeing yourself, like, with Noah and Eli here? And she goes, yeah, I just, like, it literally just hit on me. Like, I, I can't, I can't imagine being up there, like, I would miss my kids, right? And yet, the best advice my mom ever gave me was leave California, get away from your family so that you can grow up. And I left, and I'm no longer near my family. My brother and my sister are with my mom this morning, and I'm here, but I'm going to be there on Wednesdays. We're going to be together. Um, and there is this sense of a mother's love for a son and what a, or a daughter and what a mother wants to give and how they will go through anything to get there. And I'm not saying, you know, you, you say there's equality between men and women. There are, but women, when it comes to the way that they do things for their kids, and it's not a disrespect to the fathers. You get Father's Day. We don't usually do anything for you, but you get Father's Day. <laughs> but there is something the way, like you were singing that song, there's reckless love of God, right? That's God. And then a mom. Like there is, there are just things that a mom can do and say and the strength and give away and impart to a kid. That is amazing. Paul, Paul's saying in this, if there's something I can give you, is that same kind of love. And that love has to come from the father. And this particular life that our moms prayed for us, many of our moms, that, we're, that Paul is now praying for us as the body of believers that we ought to continue to pray for is a love that is centered and saturated in the love of Christ. So, so like, love Jesus and grow up. Listen, listen to the prayer. This is how Paul pray, prays. It continues. From whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul is saying, here is what I desire. I desire that you may be strengthened with power. I mean, he's kind of mixing his words here, going, I want the most power that God has to strengthen you. And he says, according to his riches. Now, now what he's saying is that, that God has enough to give us what we need. And so if you think of a different vernacular, his pockets are fat. Oh, okay, if you need another way, he has a lot. And he's saying, with this power that, that, that God wants to give us, Paul's saying, please give it to them. Now, it's not just power to just do crazy things. The strengthening comes through the spirit, and the spirit in itself um, shows us what the power is and how it's amplified. And what Paul says is, the way it manifests itself is that Christ will dwell in our hearts. And so what we're talking about here is transformation. And, and in the Greek world, in their day, um, transformation, or what they would call is virtue. And virtue happened by the way of you accomplishing something. So the way Aristotle would have said it is something, you go defeat something, you go accomplish something, then you will have certain virtues. Well, the gospel completely is upside down. You don't do anything in order to receive this virtue. It's something that comes to you passively by faith in what Christ has done on your behalf. It becomes good news that you receive and you live into that. Now, he's already talking to Christians. And so why would he pray that Christ would come dwell in the hearts of Christians? He, he's not saying your, your first time you receive Christ. He's saying you already know Christ. This is growth he's talking about here. 
This is you growing in the likeness of Christ, that Christ would dwell by the Spirit through faith in your life. Now, the word dwell there has a picture of union and of permanence, right? And so let me think of it this way, an illustration that might be silly, but when, you, when you're single and or you live, you're, you're not married, if you want to, especially if you live by yourself, you want to you design your home a certain way, you do that. Nobody can tell you what to do. People can, people can make suggestions, but you're like, this is me. Then you get married. You become one. There's union there. There's relationship there. And there's certain things that maybe you wanted a certain way, but then maybe your spouse didn't. And because you want to love your spouse, you change some things, right? No. So when, when Holly and I, when we got, you guys, you guys got to figure this one out. Um, when Holly and I got married, there were certain things that just changed about us. And not things that we just intentionally changed. There are certain things we did, but we became more like each other. And the longer we've been married, we'll be married 11 years this, this summer, is that the more we become like each other. And even though my wife and I were different, uh, but there are certain things we're alike. And then there's certain things that in the relationship we can say there's certain things that don't need to be anymore. Right? That's just any good relationship. Like, like these people, these things, in our case, these particular clothes don't need to be in your life anymore. Right? <laughs> now, you may go, what, was it something inappropriate? No, 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 no. We don't need, no, we, that's, no that's a whole other conversation. I've shared this with you before. When I got married to Holly, there's certain things when you date, you don't say everything. Right? Hear me. There's certain things that you, when you date, you want to be honest, but you don't say everything. When you date, you don't say everything. I just want you guys to hear that. Um, <laughs> So there was this outfit that Hollywood wears. I'm like, yeah, if we ever get married, I can't wait to show her. You know, right? So, and it was overalls. Now, listen, listen. I know that, like, overalls are in now for men and, and women and everybody and some people. Um, to me, one man's opinion, one man's opinion, not scripture, overalls are cute on little girls, pregnant women. And um, not, no. Not my wife when we got married. So, so I said, hey, you know, these overalls, yeah, yeah, they got to go. They got to go. And she goes, oh, yeah. I said, you're a grown woman. You should be wearing these overalls, right? And she goes, oh, yeah, okay, okay, I got you. So she takes the overalls, and then she goes into my closet, and she pulls out this Echo shirt that I had. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I thought it was a dope shirt. And, and uh, she goes, look at this shirt. I'm like, what's wrong with that shirt? She goes, there's a, there's a, there, you know, there's a rhino on your shirt. And I said, yeah, that's how Mark Echo gets down. And, um, and she goes, grown men shouldn't have animals on their shirt. <laughs> so I had to take the shirt and put it next to the overalls. You know what I mean? Somebody, somebody, somebody somewhere is wearing that right now. Like, man, thank you. I appreciate whoever did. Right? There's this, there, there was no rule book. There was no rules to like, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. But because of the union, because of the relationship, there were certain things that we did. What Paul begins to communicate that Christ would dwell in our house, that means when we have a union with Christ, that when we are intimately um, involved with Christ, that when he is Lord, when he is Savior, when it is Christ and the good news in which he gives that elevates and raises our affections for him, our lives begin to change. That a person, man or woman or child, that is in Christ, that is not beginning to look more and more like Christ, is because they are not being filled and being strengthened with the power of faith that comes through the Spirit. 
And, and here's the reality. All of us are guilty in this room if you were in Christ. There are moments in your life where you have a mechanical relationship with Jesus who desires to have a personal relationship with you. Meaning there's a transactional, like I will read your word, not do what you tell me not to do, do what you tell me to do, and then we'll be good. That's not a relationship. The other night, Holly and I are sitting on the couch. We're watching a basketball game. There's probably two seats um, in, uh, in between us. You say, oh, because your kids were sitting there. No, we put them to bed. And about 10 minutes into it, nobody's on their phone. Holly looks over me. She goes, hey, are we going to connect? 10 minutes had gone by. And I'm like, man, yeah, we didn't even. And it wasn't like there was nothing like I was mad about it to her. There was nothing. I don't think she was mad about at me. I, I mean, she, she didn't say nothing, uh, right? <laughs> But it was, it was just that gap of going, if we don't intentionally do this, there's a physical, spiritual, emotional disconnect. My wife's not going to leave me. I'm not going to leave her, but we're disconnected. Listen, if you are in Christ and you are not intentionally building that relationship, there's a disconnect. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. But through your actions, you are actually leaving him, forsaking him. Paul's prayer is going, if we're going to talk about gospel, we're going to talk about reconciliation, we're going to talk about growth, we're going to talk about anything, um, please, please, Lord, make sure that they're strengthened, um, make sure that they're empowered, make sure that their faith is increasing, and make sure it is centered on the love and work of Christ, and that he would dwell in their house, and that they would intentionally meet, continue, grow, trust, fall in love with the one who had infinite cost to himself, gave themselves for them, that they may look more and more like Christ. Amen? And this is not just individually us doing our own part. This is collectively as a body of us encouraging in community with one another that we may be filled and flooded with the Spirit of God in such a way that we resemble and look like Jesus to each other and the community around us. Paul says, don't talk about race and reconciliation. Don't talk about being reconciled to God unless you are on your knees praying that God would strengthen the people of God through prayer by the Spirit that we may understand the love of Christ. So Paul prays that first part. So it's loving Jesus, but he also wants us to comprehend this kind of love. So continue in the prayer. Paul says, so that Christ, verse 17, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now, here's what he says. Um, he says being rooted and grounded in this love. And he kind of has two metaphors. One is like, like a you know, botanical one, like ground, like there's soil, that the love is the soil in which we're rooted in. And the other one is architectural, like there's a building. And if you think about both, one is work that you have to do with your hands, and the other one is from an architect standpoint, you have to have vision and design to know things. And he's saying this love is something that we grow deep in, and it's also something that we have to be intentional about, that we have to have in some ways, and Jake's going to come back next week and talk more about this, is an imagination of what it looks like to live in the love of God. As Christians, we have, we have like the worst imaginations. We're like robots, and yet we believe in a creative God in whom we're made in his image. And he's saying that there has to be a level of rootedness of work and the love of God, but then also there's this design, this beauty of, I imagine, what does it look like for the people of God to actually grow up into this love? And this love is not just something you raise your hand, you receive Jesus, and then you just hold on to your born-again stick until Christ comes back. But this love is something that we receive and we're growing in. 
that there, there, there's a progression here, that we grow as the people of God. And I don't think it's just nice, neat steps, like when I was 18, I went here. When I was 34, I went here. No, no. There's, there's, there's this organic way of us growing together in Christ. And then the way that we grow, hear me, the way that we grow into this love, here's what Paul prays. That we may be strengthened to comprehend. That means to grasp with all the saints. Hear me. The way that we grow is with all the saints. You say, what does all the saints mean? Well, in the Greek, all the saints mean all the saints, right? That means Christian brothers and sisters who have gone before us, who are in glory with the Lord now, Christian brothers and sisters that will come after us, Christians here now. All the saints mean not just those of us, as Femi said, here in America, not just those of us that are in gospel-centered, reformed churches. These are people around the world. The way that we're going to be able to know this love is somehow we are in rich community, of which Paul had just been preaching about in chapter 2, that we, we won't be able to grasp this love. Pause. The love of God is not fully comprehensible, meaning you will never be able to fully go, I got this. We will spend all eternity in Christ looking at our Father and receiving the love of God and absolutely being wild for all eternity. However, we can comprehend his love through faith. And what Paul continues to pray for is that with all the saints that we may be able to know the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So what he's saying is that with other brothers and sisters that we do this. Now hear me. This is not through books. This is actually through meals. Through books, you can learn at a distance, which is helpful. Through meals, you learn flesh on flesh. Through books, you can have an idea and some concepts. Through meals, you actually have to see how another eats and what they eat and hear their life. What Paul is talking about is we have to learn from different traditions. And what I mean by that is we have a particular tradition that we have here, and we think it's good. But it's not, like, the only one. That we don't exhaustively say, we know God and nobody else does in Christ. No, no, no. There are other churches. Um, we do relatively well at theology and doctrine in our tradition. We don't do that well at prayer. Some of you are amazing at it. But we're not a church that people would say, yeah, they're just kind of known for their prayer. Pentecostals are. Presbyterians are incredibly good at doctrine. Baptists are very, very good at evangelizing. There's an altar call every other minute. Right? And, and, and that's not a critique. That's saying we have to learn from different traditions, and not just traditions of um, different denominations, but also all the saints around the world. There's something that we need to learn about the love of God through what Latin Americans can give us. There's something that we can learn about the love of God um, to people in Asia can give us, through Africa can get us, whether it's Nigeria or Wakanda. Right? We have, we, we, there's something that you, you, you begin to learn. So for me, I was in, it was my, one of my first classes in the master's course that I was taking when I was getting my master's. But... Um, the professor was talking, first he started off by saying the class, he said, what do you call someone who speaks three languages, right, trilingual? What do you call somebody who speaks two languages, bilingual? What do you call someone who speaks one language? He goes, American, <laughs> right? And, uh, and I was like, oh, I don't get that, right? <laughs> we, we, we looked at the story of the woman at the well, and at the woman at the well, we read the story, what was the woman's sin, and so forth. If you're not familiar with this story, um, you can go back and read it. I don't have time to share all of it. But there's this woman who's with Jesus at the well, and usually the way we interpret it, if she had a sin, her sin was, you know, she'd been with different men, and the man that she was living with now wasn't a husband, she's living, you know, just like, just promiscuity, that's what we would say. This person in our class who's from Latin America goes, well, if you're from the particular country that I'm from, and where, where women 
literally have no rights, no access, unless she's connected to a man, you might read that story a little differently, which is actually more like the days of Jesus' time. You might read it this way, that there's been four or five men in her life who have not treated her well, and they've all left her. They've used this woman, and the man who's in her life now won't even fully commit to her. And so in some ways, she needs some form of liberation. You may see that the gospel in this particular aspect is, yes, she needs forgiveness of sins, but she also needs to be liberated in such a way that she may have human dignity be elevated, and somehow Jesus offers that in living water. It's like a completely different perspective. Paul is saying, you want to know the love of God, the height, the depth, the breadth? Okay. You will best understand that in community with others who are not like you, in your city, in your country, in the world in which God has given us. Saints that have gone before us and then saints that will come after us that we begin able to understand this love. He says when we understand this love, he says that we begin to know a certain knowledge that surpasses knowledge. You go, what is he talking about? Well, knowledge, just like we understand it now, is usually known um, or seen through more of an enlightenment thinking, scientific method way. So the way that we know something is if we could put it through the scientific method. Paul's saying, there's a greater knowledge than that. Nothing wrong with that, but there's a greater knowledge that surpasses that knowledge. Um, so we can say, um, yesterday, it was really hot. We can measure it. We can do it in a scientific way to go, yes, it's hot. Experientially, it's hot. Then you can go, um, something like music. You can say, well, there's certain music that's just beautiful. There's like, when you hear, when you hear Alicia Keys playing the piano, you just go, my, 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 right? And people who know music go, yeah, that is beautiful. You can't necessarily put that through the scientific method. And then there's a deeper knowing, and this is deep experiential. It's, it's the way a child, right, loves his mom. You can't put that through the scientific method. You watch it. You watch when the child gets picked up by their parents today, and the child runs to his mother, and the mother picks him up. He, he even, the mom doesn't even really have to pick the child up. It's like a cheerleader running up and getting The mom just kind of does this, and the kid's like, right? <laughs> and then the best part, you go, yeah, that child, yeah, so far, that child loves his mom. And then the child puts the, his face in the mom's neck, which we know is the best place when a kid hugs you, like right in the neck, as deep as they can go, right? You go, man, that child loves his mother. Paul is saying, he prays that we have the strength to comprehend that sort of love that surpasses knowledge. The love where we are accepted, welcomed into God's family in which he has his arms, we jump into his arms, we are part of his family, we experience the love we have through his son who has welcomed us in, this same love that not just welcomed us in, but he's now in our life dwelling permanent in such a way that we love him, and in loving him, we grow in the context of one another that we may actually mature as followers of Christ. Amen? He, he, he wraps his whole prayer up um, in this particular section with this, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. The fullness of God that he's talking about is that we begin to look more and more like Jesus. More things are caught than taught. If you spend time with Jesus and you spend time with the people of Christ, you begin to actually look more and more like the one in whom you worship. If you're not looking more and more like the one who worship, who are you spending time with? And who's dwelling in your heart or what's dwelling in your heart? What is raising your affections if it's not Christ? And whatever those things are, we got to repent of those ways and repent of those things and run fast to the one who will never leave nor forsake us and pray the same pray that prayer that Paul prays, that we would be strengthened with power um, in our inner being 
by faith, by the Spirit, that Christ may dwell in our hearts, that we may be comprehend this height, the depth, the length, the width, to know the love of Christ, that we may actually may mature in it. And in maturing in it, we may pass it off to our children, our friends, our community, and people, that they may know the love of Christ, because God has imparted that love in our own lives. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the great love and grace that you have given us through your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for a day like today where there's just moving parts and all beautiful and all good. And underneath it, Lord, the brokenness, the hiding, the darkness, that we need your light and your grace to shine, to bring renewal and encouragement, forgiveness and healing. And, Father, that you would continue to make us one. God, I pray that today would be a blessing, Lord, for us in Christ, Lord, that we would trust you, grow in love in you, and grow in maturity uh, with the grace in which you give us by your spirit. God, we love you because you first loved us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.